Blog Talk Radio. TV lovers who also love to travel. My name is Lisa Iannucci, and not only am I the founder and host of this podcast, I'm also the author of On Location, the Film and TV Lovers Travel Guide. And I stumbled a little bit at the beginning. It's the 16th episode of Real Travel. And I want to thank you for being a part of this podcast and for the good feedback that I've been getting. Um, If you want to get a copy of my book, you can order it at Roman Publishing's website at rowman.com, or you can get an autographed copy through Oblong Books in Rhinebeck, New York. Visit their website at oblongbooks.com. And I want to give a shout out to my real travel sponsor, Mario Scalzi of Parker Villa Tours. Uh, Again, I've said it before, I know Mario, he's a sweetheart to work with, and if you check out his website at parkervillas.com, especially if you're thinking about taking my dream trip, which is to Tuscany or to any part of Europe, you know, he's got a lot of different opportunities out there that he can hook you up with, and definitely somebody you'd want to work with. So, Mario, thank you very much for sponsoring Real Travels. And what I love about this season is not that it's back to school, which is great, and it's not that it's getting a little cooler, but if you remember how hot I was doing these podcasts over the summer, I absolutely love the cool weather. But when it's September, it means it's film festival season for me, and that means in just a few short weeks, I'll be heading out to Woodstock, New York for my favorite film festival, which is the Woodstock Film Festival. And I love this film festival because I've been going there, it's got to be like six years now, six or seven years now, because it's not so huge that you feel lost, but yet, and, and the actors and the directors are still accessible and you get a lot of really big names, but yet you still feel part of a film festival that is still big and the the films that are there actually do really well um, after they leave this film festival but I got to tell you if if you haven't been to this particular festival not only is it great uh, for all the different films you're going to see and the different directors that show up and some of the celebrities that make an appearance but you also have a great area to tour. I mean, Woodstock is Woodstock. It's not where Woodstock was held. So if you guys are out there going, oh, you know, that's where Woodstock was held. It's not. Um, you may not know that Woodstock was actually the 1960, um, 1960s Woodstock was actually in Bethel, uh, New York, not in Woodstock, New York. But Woodstock, New York is a great place got these awesome little shops and restaurants and and if you want to go see the museum in Bethel it's I'm not really too sure how far away from Woodstock I think under an hour away but the museum in Bethel is absolutely worth it it was one of my favorite museums that I've ever seen and um, so you can combine it go to the Woodstock Film Festival go see the actual place of Woodstock check out some of the you know, little shops and restaurants in in Woodstock and visit the area this time of year in the Hudson Valley, especially when the festival is going to be happening in October is gorgeous. 
the the leaves are just it's breathtaking it's absolutely breathtaking so i'm thrilled to be a part of it i'm going to be covering it for ff2 media um and and what i do for them is focus on the women directors and filmmakers and um you know movies that are focused on on women and their careers so i'll be you could check out ff2media.com and you'll see my articles about the film festival there I focus on other film festivals for them as well. I'm doing a write-up right now on the New York Film Festival, so you can check out my articles there. Um, I also, just so you know, not only did I write the book, but I also um, write for Netflix Life, where I have a weekly column where I tell you what the best classic movie is to watch that weekend. If you want to grab some popcorn and watch a classic movie, I've written about um, other topics as well and talk to you about what the favorite reality shows to watch on Netflix are. Um, I love reality shows. I'm not going to deny that. You know, um, sports, I've written about sports films on Netflix for NetflixLife.com. So you can find some of my work there as well. So FF2 Media, Netflix Life, and I want to give a shout out to my girl at Real Life with Jane, it's R-E-E-L, Life with Jane, and I'll be also covering the Woodstock Film Festival for her as well. So those are the three places besides my book that you can find me um, if you're interested in other work that I do. So I'm excited um, about finally getting back to this festival this year. And um, I'm also excited because October also means that I'm going to be at Comic-Con. And I know that you've been waiting at the edge of your seat wondering, who is she going to dress up as? Did she decide on Sombra from Overwatch, which is what her kids play, but she fell in love with the costume? Or did she decide on something else? Well, I have decided on something else. And mainly because Comic-Con cosplaying is expensive. (laughs) And I just did not want to lay out that kind of money this year. So I decided to go if you remember that a lot of times I talk about in my book that uh, and, and in my interviews that going to the Lucy Fest was one of my favorite things to do. So I will be wearing a Lucy uh, candy making hat and I will be there dressed up as Lucy from the candy factory. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited about that. I just got my hat in the other day and I'm going to be signing my books at Comic-Con And I also bought a ticket to meet Jason Momoa, so I'm really excited about that, Mr. Aquaman himself, and he's also from Game of Thrones, and I have my ticket in my hand and will share my photo with my meet and greet with Jason Momoa after Comic-Con is over. So lots of really fun, exciting things going on here, And but I know you want me to get to the interview, so who's my guest for today? So for how long did we hear... Team Edward, Team Jacob, you're right, I'm talking Twilight today. If you're a fan of Edward or Bella and Bella, or maybe you're Team Jacob and Bella, you're going to love learning about Forks, Washington, um, and its relation to the Twilight book and movies, and more about the amazing festival that they put on every year, which is actually taking place, I am recording this on September 13th, and it's taking place this weekend. And if you can't, obviously, you're not going to be there for this weekend. I was hoping to get this uh, podcast up to you a little bit earlier so that maybe you could have made plans to go. But you can make plans to go to the pod, to podcast. No, you can make plans to go to the festival next year. Or you can make plans just to go check out Fort Washington at any time of the year, which you'll hear about in the 
interview with my guest, Lissy Andros, who works for the Forks Washington, she's the executive director of the Forks Washington Chamber of Commerce. And you'll not only learn about the festival, you'll also learn about how Lissy became a fan of the book, a big fan of the book, a really big fan of the book, (laughs) and the movies. She actually moved to Forks Washington because of the book. So I hope that you enjoy the interview, and I will be back after. It's a funny story to tell everybody, and I'm not joking. I have three children. My oldest is Nicole. And when Nicole came across the book Twilight, I think the entire life of everybody in the house changed. Nicole did not let go of this book for I can't even tell you how long. I heard about every chapter, every character, every this, every that. Twilight was the height of her life at that moment. And obviously you guys know that it became an incredible movie series, and we're talking Twilight today. And I'm sure that a lot of people out there can identify either they have children out there that have read the book and just probably even today are still holding on to it, or they've seen the movie and they're obsessed with it. But today we are talking about the Twilight Festival out at Forks, Washington. And my guest today is Lissy Andros, who is the executive director of the Forks Chamber of Commerce. How are you, Lissy? I'm great. Thank you. I'm sure you've heard like 50 million stories like that about kids that just picked up either the book or saw the movie and it became this obsession. Yes, and not only kids, but adults too, including myself. Really? When did you so, – so you got to tell me this because I, I heard it all through my daughter. I haven't read the books yet, um, but you got to tell me. So you, when did you pick up the book, and what was your fascination with it? So um, I read the, the series in December of 2008, and I read them after the movie came out. I had not seen the movie yet, but I had a very dear friend who – read the series, kept trying to get me to read it. I told her I was not a reader. I wasn't interested. She invited me to go to the first movie. I said, no, thank you. I'm not going anywhere at midnight. Um, So she basically threatened our friendship. She said, if you don't read these books, we will not be friends anymore. (laughs) So I took them out, and on Christmas Day of 2008, I read, I started reading Twilight. And I guess I stayed up till about three o'clock in the morning before I finally went to sleep because I did not want to stop reading it. And it basically consumed my life from the moment I started reading it until you're talking to me today. So it, it changed my life reading the book. I lived in Texas. Um, I didn't lead a very adventuresome or, or adventurous life. And I read the books, and my mom and I um, wanted to move, so we started researching Washington, and we ended up moving to Forks. So I found out about Forks through the books. Wow. Wow. So you actually – okay, so this is crazy. You read the books as an adult. You move Uh to Forks, Washington as an adult, and now you're working for the Chamber of Commerce that runs the festival like you are literally my audience for this <laughs> for this podcast that's crazy yeah. so, so what is it about the book that you love so much I mean and and why do you think other people just you know were drawn to this book so much 
Well, I, I think there's a few reasons, and some of them um, may be more obvious than others, but one of, one of the, the um, appealing characteristics of this book is that Stephanie Meyer wrote this book in first person. So everybody kind of sees themselves as Bella, the main character. So for me personally, when I read it, I was kind of in a place in my life where, you know, things were pretty dull. Um, I didn't I didn't have a lot of um, aspirations to do great things. You know, I was just basically living day to day. My mother had just gotten a divorce from my father um, after 44 years of marriage. She came to live with me. Um, so we, we just were kind of in this really weird place of um, just not having a lot of excitement about life. So when I read Twilight, something inside me ignited. Um, I felt like that first love was happening to me again. I felt the excitement of life being breathed back into me. Um, I felt hope that things were going to get better. Um, and I felt like if not only did I um, associate with Bella, but I kind of associated with Edward too because Edward had been living his life for so long with no hope of really having anything better happen, you know. And then he meets mm-hmm. Bella and, you know, life is great for him again, so to speak. <laughs> Anyway, so I read Twilight. Um, it ignited something in me. Um, we started making plans to move. Um, I moved from Texas with my mom and 12 dogs. I was in dog rescue wow. and dog training wow. and so forth. So it was quite the move. And so we moved up to Forks. And I found out later that, um, you know, people called me the crazy Twilight girl because I had moved here because of Twilight. So. <laughs> but um, I, like I said, I think it just it just ignited something inside me and brought me back to life. Wow! Um, but you were when you got to Forks, did you have this job lined up prior to that? No, no. I I honestly felt like I was moving to Forks, kind of like Bella. When Bella moves to Forks, she feels like she's just kind of resigning to live in Forks, like. I'll just live in Forks the rest of my life. Well, what I felt like was I'll get a job, you know, I'll work my eight hours or whatever, but I'll be, I'll, I'll just lead a more relaxed lifestyle, you know, not, not worry about things so much. And, and the total opposite happened. I mean, I, I love my job. I feel like it's a, it's a, a great impact on the community. I feel like it, impacts people's lives all over the world. So I really feel like I have the best job in the world and I'm the luckiest person because I came up here and then ended up with the chamber and into this job because I was not hired as the executive director. I was promoted to that. Um, So I just feel like it was so lucky that timing was everything and I was very lucky, lucky to be in the right place at the right time. So before we get to the festival, because I'd like to know kind of how all of that started, um, when, did you, after you read all the books and, and you moved to to Forks, where did you have a chance to see the movies at this point or not yet? Yes. Yeah, so I read I read the whole series between Christmas and New Year's of 2008 and then New Year's Day 2009. My friend was on vacation in Colorado, and she got back, and on New Year's Day, we went and saw the Twilight movie together, because she'd already seen it, but it was my first time to see it. 
and it was over. I mean, we saw the Twilight movie over and over again. We had a big, huge party for the Twilight DVD release. We did the midnight showings for New Moon. I mean, we I was just totally consumed by Twilight. So, yes, after reading the books and seeing the first movie, then celebrating all these movies coming out afterwards. And then in um, uh, November of 2011, I actually went back to my hometown as an employee of the Forks Chamber of Commerce. And at the midnight showing of Breaking Dawn Part 1, the movie theater manager let me um, go in front of the whole movie audience and talk about Forks, which was amazing. Because a lot of people at that time didn't even know Forks was a real place. What kind of reaction did you get when you did that? Um, People loved it. And the funny thing is... um, Years later, I had a girl call me, and she said, do you remember talking to me at the movie theater? And she was coming up here to visit Forks. So I think it was a really neat experience and very surreal. That's awesome. And for for people who aren't aware and are just, you know, listening to this and and learning a little bit more about what's out there to see and do as a film and TV fan, I mean, we we talked about the fact that this started out as a book, and these books have sold more than 120 million copies. I mean, as, as a writer, uh, if, if they ever come back and tell me that one of my travel guides has sold 120 million copies, I'd, like, I think I'd cry. That's yes. incredible. And then you look at the major motion picture, um, you know, and now, now the, the opportunity to go somewhere and see where all of this is, is based. How did this start? I mean, when, when did the first festival start and who, how did it all come about? So um, prior to me arriving in Forks, because um, I didn't find out about Forks or Twilight till 2008, and the book had been released at the end of 2005. So once, once the book was released, the, my predecessor, Marcia Bingham, um, and Mike Gerling, who uh, he was a visitor center manager, they noticed that people were starting to come in um, for this this Twilight book. And um, so the first year when the book was released at the very end, the visitor center had had about 6,000 people for the whole year. So in 2006, it rose to about 8,000. In 2007, you know, it rose a little bit more. But by 2008, which was the year the, the movie came out, but at the very end of the year, they'd had about, I want to say, 18,000 people. So they had tripled just from the books being wow. released. Or at least wow. the Twilight book. Um, so they they said, well, we need something to give back to the fans because they're coming here and they need need an experience. So the chamber staff and the chamber board of directors took the book in hand and took our chamber van that we used for logging and mill tours, and they drove around Forks and found the places that matched the descriptions in the books, and they made a self-guided twilight tour. Then businesses started kind of jumping on board and um, adding their own, um, you know, items on the menu or uh, fun little, la- little landmarks. Um, for example, Three Rivers Resort added the Treaty Line banner. So that gave fans a place to stop and take pictures um, at their business. So I think just from a marketing perspective, the, the, the town businesses realized, oh, this is something we can have fun with, you know, and mm-hmm. we, we can bring business in with. Um, so that's one part of it. The other part is when back when um, 
the book first came out, the town librarian called down here to the chamber and said, there's a book coming out and Forks is in it. And so the chamber staff got the book. They read it. They loved it. They gave it to their chamber board, and most of the board members read it and so forth. So I think at the very beginning of this, Marsha and Mike were so instrumental in developing this because they they were such fun-loving people, and mm-hmm. they really embraced it. So they really had fun with the fans and with the story. And, you know, at the beginning, people were like, oh, it's it's evil, it's about vampires. Mm-hmm. And they said, they said, no, it's about love. You need to read the books. It's about love. The vampires mm-hmm. and the werewolves, you know, that's secondary. This is a, this is a love story. So I think that um, having embraced this story, they did everything they could to make sure the fans had a really great time while they were here. So that's kind of how it started in the beginning. As far as the festival goes, um, I believe in 2006, right before New Moon was released, Stephanie Meyer came up here to do a, a reading from New Moon. So she was up here in person. About 100 people showed up at the park, and which was phenomenal you know, for 100 people mm-hmm. to show up. Um, right. And so they decided that was in 2006. So in 2007, they decided they wanted to do something to celebrate the Twilight Saga. And, and when I say they, I mean Mike and Marsha. So they said, let's do something. Well, they wanted to do it to honor Stephanie, so they wanted to do it on Stephanie's birthday, but her birthday is on Christmas Eve. So they said, well, we can't do it on Christmas Eve, so let's do it on Bella's birthday, which is September 13th. So that's how the the Stephanie Meyer Day, Bella's birthday weekend started out, and it went on for several years. But it kind of um, – it kind of went in so many different directions with so many different people organizing it that fans were not having the very best experience. So in 2015, mm-hmm. um, the chamber who started this um, this celebration said, you know what, we're going to take it back and organize the whole thing. And so in 2015, we rebranded and changed it to Forever Twilight and Forks because we really felt like it was something that was going to go on forever. And Stephanie had expressed to us when she was here that it was kind of embarrassing seeing your name across the highway in a banner. You know, so she's very humble. She didn't really like the Stephanie Meyer Day, you know, title. So we we said, let's go ahead and change it, because we have a lot of respect for Stephanie, and we want to make it to where Stephanie always feels comfortable coming back here. So mm-hmm. we went ahead and changed the name to Forever Twilight and Forks. And that year, Jack Morrissey, who is life partners with Bill Condon, who directed Breaking Dawn 1 and 2 and Beauty and the Beast right. and many other movies, Jack contacted me one day out of the blue, and he's like, hey, I'm Jack Morrissey. I'd love to help any way I can. And so Jack oh, wow. was instrumental. Yeah, so Jack was instrumental in helping us develop this festival. Um, he was definitely our Hollywood connection. So if we wanted to invite a guest, he would say, oh, I have, I can text him. I mean, he literally had people's phone numbers in his phone that we wanted to talk to, you know. So having that connection with Jack and then Jack stepping up and helping us, um, you know, that really elevated things for us too and gave us a lot more oppor- opportunities that we would never have had otherwise. And Jack is still helping us to this day. He's still instrumental in developing this festival, and then he's one of our benefactors, our biggest benefactor for the Forever Twilight and Forks collection, which is our collection of props and costumes in downtown Forks. Um, So Jack has donated um, funds, items, you know, costumes, display pieces, 
So, you know, he's he's like our fairy godfather for this Twilight fandom. So, so when when it comes to the props and the costumes and things like that, what can people see? Can you give us some examples of what they would see when they get there? Oh, I would love to. First of all, because we are the home of the books, we have books from all over the world. We have books in Japanese, Chinese, um, French, German, Polish. Um, we have a set from Thailand, um, Belgium, um, Italy. We have a set that was um, sent to us from Volterra, Italy, um, from the Volterra Visitors. Yeah, so we are trying to develop a partnership with them because they're very similar to us in, in what has happened with the Twilight Saga and the fans. Um, so we have books from all over the world. We have um, Bella's meadow costume and Edward's meadow costume for when Bella finds out Edward's a vampire. So we have a custom-made oh, wow. mannequin that is um, custom-made to the costume for Kristen Stewart's size. So it literally looks like Kristen and Rob are standing in our collection. Yes, they have no heads because they're mannequins, but, you know, you have to use your imagination here. You know? <laughs> but um, I, we I have, hope people um, will use their imagination. <laughs> but we have oh, wow. um, the motorcycles from the movies. We have the wedding arch. We have um, several of the most iconic pieces. We have Bella's battle costume from the uh, battle scene in Breaking Dawn 2. Um, we've got... Edward's snowy costume when he fights Riley in Eclipse. Um, we have Riley's costume. We have Bree Tanner's costume. Um, we have several Jacob costumes, um, Alice Cullen costumes. Um, we have, and we just added this piece this week, so most people haven't seen it yet. We have the bedspread from Bella's bed and her oh, bed wow. and so forth. We have the T-shirt that Edward wears when he kisses Bella for the first time. And, I mean, these are just amazing pieces that now the fans from all over the world can come and see up close and personal. They can uh, take pictures of them. They can ha relive their twilight moments in there. So we're super proud to have that. It's located right in downtown Forks at the Rainforest Arts Center, which is a city-owned um, building that's like a venue and performing arts center. So. We're super proud of it. How many people come to this each year? I mean, since you guys took over, has it been growing? And, and how, how many people can you expect to show up this year? It has. Well, the first year when Stephanie, or in 2015, Stephanie came to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of the book, the, the uh, Twilight being released. And it was, it, was really, it was really amazing. We had over 1,200 people come just to get their book signed. I mean, well, let me rephrase that. We had 1,200 people come and, and had their books signed. A lot of those people were coming for the festival. But she signed five books per person. So the first year we had a huge amount of people come because Stephanie was here. But the, the amazing thing about the Twilight Festival is people don't just come for a day. They spend a whole week here. So we get about mm -hmm. 600 people who come for a whole week and then we get about 400 more people that come just maybe for a day or for two days and so forth. So we get about 1,000 people. Um, in, a, in a town of 3,000, that's pretty good. 
So. Absolutely. I mean, w- with it being, I mean, I'm talking to you on August 10th, and I'm going to get this up pretty quickly in case anybody wants to make a last-minute decision to get out there and, and to see this festival this year. Is it too late for them for this year? Or are all the hotels booked up? I'm guessing that it's it's pretty hectic right now, being that you're only about a month away. So tell us a little bit about if they wanted to come this year or if they really kind of need to plan for a future festival. I think that if people are flexible, they can absolutely come for this year. If they have to have a certain hotel room, and it has to overlook the ocean or this or that or the other, they might want to plan in advance, but it is absolutely not too late to come this year. They, if they have any problems at all, I'm, I'm always here to help. So I have people call me or email me and so forth, and we'll find them a spot. We find, you know, Forks is such a, an, a unique place. People will open their homes to people. Um, they might oh. rent out a bedroom in their house or their travel trailer or something because Forks is just a very unique place. So we, I always say, if you want to come, contact me, and I will help you find a way. So um, as far as tickets go, we have stopped selling tickets on our website, but there are still tickets available. And so I can help facilitate somebody getting a ticket. So yeah, we're super flexible, and we want as many people here to enjoy it as possible. Now, if I couldn't make it in September, but I wanted to come to Forks in October, is that mm-hmm. walking tour still available where I could take it on my own? Well, it's not exactly a walking tour, but it is a self-guided driving tour. That's yes, so I we meant. give out the yeah. self-guided <laughs> tour year-round, and it goes to all of the places mentioned in the books, the high school, the hospital, um, Bella Swan's house, the Cullen house, um, Jacob Black's house. So all these places are on the self-guided tour. Um, and then, of course, the collection is open year-round, so people can come see the costumes in person. Um, we also do private showings of the collection. If you just say you wanted to see it and bring 10 of your closest friends and you wanted to do it in the evening, we could arrange that. So we're super flexible, and we just want everyone to come and have the very best time they can. Awesome. So the movies and the books came out quite a few years ago. Do you think the popularity of them, like looking down the road 10 years from now, it's still going to be as big as it is now or even what it was 10 years ago? I, I do believe it's going to be big, if not bigger. And one of the reasons is because Forks is the is the the setting of the story, um, mm-hmm. new generations all the time are reading these books and discovering these books. So I think because it's a, a book series, I think that's one of the reasons that it will continue on. Another thing is, um, for example, there's a new theme park in South Korea that's being built, and the, they're partnering with Lionsgate. And so they're going to have a twilight section at this theme park. Now, this is – just a typical thing that is going to help this story perpetuate and keep going. Um, But another thing is we have this Forever Twilight and Forks collection. And this collection is a long-term project that we will keep adding to. And I think that it is something that is so unique and spectacular. This collection in itself will draw people to Forks. Um, The other thing is, and this is just me speaking as a fan, I think that this this series is so popular that I see down the road them remaking this movie, you know, with 
current actors of the day or whatever. So I think that this is not the only movie person oh, we'll ever well, see of this. Well, what do they call that? They call that a reboot, right? You, yeah, and, and you I would I could totally see that. I predict that. Oh, wow. You know, I, I love movies that are rebooted. I, I just I hope that some of them don't destroy what the other <sighs> – ones yeah. were like the popularity of the other ones. I mean, as right. long as you see maybe Edward and Bella coming back as different, I mean, it's, it's their same characters, but maybe it's like a takeoff of the, the I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know. I just, w- I, I would be afraid to kind of see other people playing mm-hmm. the Edward Bella because then the comparisons start. Yeah. But in 20 and, years, and who knows what could talk. happen. So. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> This, I, I this is such a popular you, I story. Just, I don't see how they could let mm-hmm. it let it go. It, it's you're right. I, I don't see how you're right. You know, so I, I'm that I maybe mean, I may be the most hated person in Twilight America right now by saying that, but I really think that that is a possibility. So you know, and never you no, know, I mean, maybe I, they'll, I, maybe I, they'll I, make the next version in Forks. That that's true, and you know I, I see. Know. Uh, granted, this this one wasn't a book, but <laughs> I just did this article on A Star Is Born because we have this new trailer out with the Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga version, and then when you look back, you think, oh, it's a reboot of the uh, Barbara Streisand Chris Christopherson version, which is a reboot of the Judy Garland version, which is a reboot of the Janet Gaynor version. And people don't realize how many versions of A Star is Born is actually out there. And each one of them were really good. So it can be done. And I'm hoping, the because I love Lady Gaga, I'm hoping Uh the Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga version is just as good as the trailer looks. And so I, as as long as the right hands do it and it's casted yeah. well and the story's good, I mean, I can definitely see it being done. I just get always I, – I get so scared when people talk about reboots because you're always afraid about losing something from the original. Right, the integrity and, and the exactly. connection. Mm-hmm. And exactly. like you said, maybe, maybe it will be a Renesmee Jacob story, you know, or something. But I really don't see that this is the end. I really hold out hope that there will be more to this. So, Well, the good thing is if there is, hopefully I'll still be on the air and we can talk about it more. So that's, right. that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the meantime, like where can the people who are interested in going to the festival or learning more about the, the collection, where should they go to find out more information about all of this? They can go to our website, forevertwilightinforks.com. They can find out about the festival. They can find out about the collection. They can join our Facebook group. We have a private Facebook group of over 5,000 people that love Twilight. So um, they can join our group. They can follow our public page. We have you know Instagram, Twitter, all the social channels. So, And they can always call the Forks Chamber of Commerce. We are real people, and we will talk to them. <laughs> I, I I can definitely see that you can talk Twilight all day, and that is yeah. so awesome. And I honestly wish I had like two hours to talk to you. And I'm I'm gonna make you a promise because I made this okay. promise to my daughter. I can't tell you how many years ago, but I'm gonna make you a promise because I am honestly admitting that I you know because it's impossible for me to literally read and watch every single thing out there yeah. that you can go and do. But I do my best to try. And I will 
read the first book and watch the first movie over the next couple of weeks, and I will report back on my future podcasts that I did that. (laughs) And that's because of you. And uh, heads up to my daughter because she'll be like, Mom, uh, no, but it's definitely because, you know, I'm one of the adults who I didn't see it as an adult book that I would enjoy because when, when my kids were reading it, it was all kids. And right. I went to the Barnes and Noble events that they had when, when the new book would come out and the midnight showings and all of that. And it's great to see, and I know a lot of YA books are have an appeal to adults. Um, my daughter actually runs a website called YA in Tarabang, and um, she is the one who I'm talking about. Her name is Nicole. And she is the one who has told me that a lot of YA books have, have a great deal of appeal two adults, and I've been wanting to kind of jump in. I I was a voracious reader when I was younger. Uh, Life, like I said, takes me in a different direction, and I'm I'm more film TV right now. But I'm going to go back and read it because I've heard so many good things about it. And besides that, I want to be able to say I read the books and then get on a plane and come to see you. So that's what I want. Well, we would love to have you, and you could even stay in my twilight room in my house. Wait, what? Wait, what? Yes. I have a whole twilight bedroom. So. Oh my God, that's awesome! And I and I just want to say there, that is so cool. That's right. And we did a survey after our festival, and the biggest demographic we have that visit Forks is women forty-one to fifty. So. Oh wow! As far as twilight fans. Well, so it's interesting it too because I saw women. on your map and, and your information that you also have a guy section and a guy things to do. Which can you explain that to our listeners? Well, as, it's so funny because yeah. before the Twilight phenomenon happened, this was a guy's paradise. We have fishing, hiking, hunting, you know, all this natural um, beauty and these outdoor activities. Well, when the Twilight phenomenon happened. Now dads were just driving their daughters and their wives and so forth over here. They would come in the visitor center and they would have this deer caught in the headlights look. So we created the guys list of fun things to do other than Twilight to hand to the guys so they know there's still hope, that they can still see some beautiful things and do some fun things while they're here, that we're still the same place we were before, before the Twilight stuff happened. So that's what the guys list is about. It shows you that yes, there are more things to do here than just Twilight. So, and the guys nice. love that list. So that's <laughs> awesome. I've had so much fun talking to you, and I really hope that down the road we can do this again. Oh, um, I you know, I'd I, love I to that, meet you in person. Me too, absolutely. <laughs> and please, listeners, check out their website. Join up on their on their private Facebook page. Really, if you can't get there this year, get there next year. Get there whenever you can get there, even if you just do the tour and you go see the collection, even if you're not there for the festival. The whole point in doing this podcast and writing this book is to get people out to see all of these amazing things that they can do based on their favorite books or TV shows. And this is just so awesome. And, Lissy, I'm so glad that we have finally had a chance to talk to each other. And I thank you really from the bottom of my heart for for sharing your story about your love of Twilight and and really uh, encourage everybody who has the same love of Twilight to get out to Forks, Washington, because this is just an amazing place. And, you know, there's so much to do, as you've heard. And uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Lisa. It was my pleasure. 
Yeah, so that event is going on this weekend, and uh, if, like I said, I said it a hundred times, if you can't make it there this weekend, get there next week, or I'm sorry, next year, or visit Forks if you're just driving through in the area, even in April, it doesn't matter, um, and you love the Twilight books and movie, this is the place for you to go see. And I want to thank Lissy for coming on the show. And I want to thank Mario Scalzi again of Parker Villa Tours for sponsoring my show. I would like to also thank you listeners for listening to my show. I really do appreciate it. Please follow me on Twitter at Virgin Traveler and follow my podcast wherever you're listening to me, if it's on iTunes or Spreaker or SoundCloud or on Blog Talk Radio. Please follow me so that you can keep updated on when I put a new podcast up. I'll have more shows up in the next couple of days. I have a lot of interviews coming up, and I'm thrilled um, with the people that we have that are going to be on the show, and I'm excited to be bringing you more of Real Travels. So again, this is Lisa Iannucci of Real Travels, and thank you for joining me, and see you next time. In the meantime, get out and travel. Thank you.